All right. Well, hey, good morning, Calvary. Uh, great to see you guys are here. Uh, for those online, thanks for checking us out this morning and being with us. We've done something incredible this morning, guys, something maybe we've never done before. Between the first service and this service, we have had like a 75% increase in attendance. It's amazing, right? Like, <clears throat> Outreach Magazine will be here, and we are the fastest growing church on one day in America. Because when there's like... <laughs> When there's like four people at one service, uh, but man, it was good to see them. Good to see you guys. I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy, right? I, we're probably all sick of talking about COVID and the impact. I mean, in the past uh, few days, I mean, I appreciate Luke and Tim being up here. The, our worship team has fallen one by one. If you're visiting or newer, we usually have more than two people up here. Uh, but man, a bunch of them have come down. It's gone through your friends and your family and your workplace. I read this morning that even the beloved New Haven pizza restaurants are facing what we're facing, right? I read that Sally's is having to close because they're short-staffed some, so they're lessening their hours. And my beloved Zuparties has gone back to curbside only because, like, they don't have enough staff because everybody's sick. So we are all in it together, whether you are slinging pizza pies or, uh, you know, trying to press into what God has as a church. We're all kind of in the season. I've been here. I can't do the math. I think maybe coming up on nine years or, and I have, we have never as a leadership team in my eight or nine years here uh, had so many contingency plans and erased so many things that were on the dry erase board to put it up again. We, we've been so excited for months because over the fall as an elder team, um, we've worked through this new vision and we have a real sense of, man, what does God want us to prioritize in 2022 and beyond, and how are we going to do that, and what does God want us to be about as a church to grow as disciples and to serve people in our surrounding communities, and we're excited to rally around that, and we're excited to kind of just get us all together and get going, and it just seems we're constantly like always thinking about, okay, like what time are we going to have a service? Are we just, so here's a couple of housekeeping things for you guys just to keep track of, and then we'll jump into our sermon. We originally had wanted to come into the new year with one service, right? Because between in-person and online, we're still, when you add all those together, we're pretty close to what we were two years ago in attendance, but obviously our in-person is a lot less. So we thought, man, we can expand this space a little bit. We can get all of our people in one room to worship together. And we're really excited about getting our body together. Those who feel comfortable being in person back in one space just to be together. But, and we were going to launch that like today. But with everything going on, we just got a sense, you know what, let's just, we'll just keep pressing with two services for a while. We've opened up the back for those that want to sit in little clumps. We've, we've busted out some seating to try to keep folks comfortable. And so we're going to continue with a nine o'clock and a 1045 service from now until February 13th. On February 13th, the current plan on the dry erase board is we're then going to try to combine into one service if our numbers allow, or if we're not too big. And on February 13th, we're going to have after the service in the morning, that's going to be sometime in the morning. After that one service, we're going to have a family meeting, right? Because a chance for us to get together to church. And that's where we're going to unveil just what our vision is, what we're excited about, what we feel God calling us to do, what that looks like, how we've rescoped some staff and some teams to do that. Uh, and just really press into it and pray over it and go for it. February 20th, Lord willing, 
and sticky note that because you're going to hear that again in the sermon. Uh, February 20th, what we're going to do is then have one service, and after that service, we're going to have an, a, a discipleship time, uh, an hour, an environment where we have several different types of environments in different places for you to go to either grow in community or to grow as disciples. We're still going to now build that out over the next uh, however many weeks, but well, uh, we want places for you to get content to grow. We want you to be in relationships to grow. One thing we know is that we have some younger couples, younger families, younger singles in their 30-ish range, and we want to make sure that, like everybody, they have a place. And so we're going to launch an environment for them on Sunday mornings. And all that's coming, and we're excited about uh, telling you that. So just kind of keep in mind, February 13th is a family meeting, and then February 20th we're going to launch some discipleship environments, some teaching, some content, some relationship, kind of a cafeteria-style place for you to choose where you want to go to grow, and we're excited about it, and we're looking forward to get going in it, and I do not want to pull out my dry erase board spray one more time to change anything, but we're all in it together, and we're pressing on, um, and what we know is that for thousands of years, so much has changed in our country's world, right, history, but one thing that has never changed is God's word and God's character. And that has been a constant through Spanish flus, through pandemics, through world wars, through different countries facing different challenges of their own. God's word has just been steady and rock solid and allows us something to rally around and build around. And so that's what we're going to continue to do. And just appreciate your, your support and your encouragement. Um, and it's going to be great. And we'll look forward to what's ahead. So I'm looking forward to what is today. And so <clears throat> I'm going to pray. And then we will press into this. Father, I am grateful that you never change. And last year we worked through the Old Testament, God, and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago we saw how you cared for people and led people, and uh, your mercies are new every morning, God, and um, you're still kind and you're still leading and you're still working today. And so I pray that in your sovereignty, You've brought us here together, whether we're online, whether we're in the room, whether we're watching this later in the week, Father, and uh, your, your word has something for us, and so we come expectantly to it, and we ask your Holy Spirit to work. And I pray for wisdom for us as a leadership team, that we will continue just to sense how you want your church led and how to best care for people. I pray for those folks whose families and friends are suffering uh, through COVID, Father, and whether they be facing serious symptoms or not so serious or discouragement or just unknowns that your spirit and your presence will be near them and will give them encouragement and support. Help us now, Father, as we press into this for your glory, and we pray this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. Well, this was originally my January 2nd sermon, but about January, you know, but obviously I wasn't here because the Omnicrom, I know that's not what it's called, I just like to call it the wrong name, it sounds tougher. I don't know. But man, this was January 2nd. And in my January 2nd sermon, what I was going to say is a day ago, a bunch of you made New Year's resolutions. Well, that is not true because now it is January 9th. And so maybe seven or eight days ago or 10 days ago or 14 days ago, you've made some New Year's resolutions. Maybe that you've done that on your own. Maybe you did that as a family. Um, and so here's just a little bit of trivia about New Year's resolutions if you're ever on Jeopardy and you want to know the answers to this. Interestingly, this whole concept 
of New Year's resolutions is something that the Babylonians, right, thousands and thousands of years ago, the Babylonians are the one that historians think come up with this idea of New Year's resolutions. Google, the, actually the corporation, did a survey. This is not me doing a Google search. I'm giving you better content than that. Google, the corporation, did a <clears throat> survey, some research, a study on New Year's resolutions throughout the world. And interestingly, in America, most of the New Year's resolutions people make have to do with health, right? So like, I'm going to exercise more, I'll eat less french fries, I'll only have one Big Mac a day instead of 12, right? In America, most of the things are about health. In Japan, most of the New Year's resolutions, according to Google, have to do with finding love or relationships. In India, according to Google, most of the New Year resolutions are about career goals and aspirations. It's interesting that the Babylonians were the ones who started this, but in different cultures and different parts of the world, different people groups have different types of resolutions they make. Most studies show that 22% of resolutions fail within the first week. That means that 22% of you are failures. I just, I hate to break it to you, right? 22% of resolutions fail within the first week. 50% of resolutions fail within three months. And about 30% of people, according to studies, don't make New Year's resolutions at all. Interestingly. So here's my little informal survey. Who here made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, three. Who here, now, now, let me explain how this works. Every single person who hasn't already raised their hand should now raise their hand. Who here hasn't made any New Year's resolutions? Man, this is, we are like skewing the statistics like crazy. I don't know what that means. The first service, not a single one of them 12 people made a New Year's resolution. <laughs> and we have about three people out of, I don't know, 100 will be here today. Interestingly, well, maybe you didn't make a New Year's resolution. Obviously, most of you did not. Um, but even if you didn't make a New Year's resolution, Maybe there's been some point this year or last year, right, in the end of December or even the first few days of this year where you looked ahead and you at least thought about 2022. <clears throat> you at least thought about something you know that's going to be coming that's going to be different. You thought about a change that you know is going to be in your future. You maybe don't know if there's a change, but you wondered about something that might happen, and, and that could be in a variety of different places. Maybe you're a parent and your kid's starting kindergarten or starting high school, or maybe you're starting to look at colleges, or maybe they're going to start college this fall. Maybe you're in a relationship and you don't know if it's going to end or if it's going to go to the next level, right? Maybe you're in a career and you feel like, man, you got a new job. You don't necessarily, right? there's tons of different things it could be, but you're looking ahead and you think, man, I wonder what the year holds, I wonder what's going to happen in my life, in my career, in my family, in my relationships, in my hobby, in my goals. And, and you're wondering those things. What, what's your perspective? What's your viewpoint as you think about the next 356 days or whatever the math is that on it, right? Well, this morning we have the opportunity as we stand in this moment nine days into a new year with a lot of days in front of us. We can look ahead towards those things and we can get some perspective and some insight and some wisdom from God's Word because God's Word gives to you and gives to me some great wisdom to help us shape our thinking about these things in the new year. Today we're going to go back to our study in the book of James. Before Christmas we're in James and 
You may remember it. It was a letter written by Jesus' brother. Again, I, I, I'm not smart enough. Stepbrother, half-brother, I forget which. Anyway, Jesus' brother wrote the letter of James. We walked through it up until Christmas when we did a Christmas series, and we're, we're starting it again today. And next week, we'll spend some time reviewing what we've seen in James, what we've already studied, where we've been, as we have a few more paragraphs left in the book. But today, we're not going to review where we've been. We're just going to kind of think about, as we stand here looking ahead, <clears throat> what does James give us as far as wisdom and as far as insight and as far as perspective on how we should be thinking about this new year to come. Our text, if you've got a Bible or you've got a device, we're going to pick up where we left off before Christmas. And we're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And we're going to see three things to keep in mind when planning. Three things to keep in mind when planning. So let's get into the text, and man, what does God's Word give us about this perspective, these views, our thoughts as we're thinking about this new year? James begins by giving this hypothetical situation, and he gives this hypothetical situation about someone who's making all sorts of future plans. That hypothetical is in verse 13, and it says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there, and we will trade and make a profit. A hypothetical about a person who's, man, they're getting their one-year plan together, right? They're, they're putting it down, papyrus to pen. And this illustration would have resonated with a bunch of people in that culture because in that culture, although they were facing great financial stresses, there was this entrepreneurial spirit. There were a bunch of business owners. This idea of, man, I want to start a business. I want it to grow would have been something that the readers of this and the people in their culture would have resonated with because there were many people striving to be successful business people. And it's interesting in this hypothetical kind of the specificity of the plans and the goals, right? They're really, really specific. If you've ever been in corporate America or in a job that has objectives, you may have heard of SMART goals. Anybody here ever heard of SMART goals? Okay, good. One person. Like, your goals should be specific, measurable, awesome. I don't know what the other ones are. I forget, right? But these, interestingly, are smart goals that this person made. Look at, look at the specificity. They've said today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. They've chosen the time frame. Man, this is something that they're going to start immediately. They have a time frame for launching. They're choosing their location. We're going to go to this town or this town. They know where they're going to try to do this. They've chosen the duration. We're going to spend one year in this startup company, and they've also chosen their desired outcome. We're going to do this for a year, and we're going to make a profit. They've chosen a time frame. They've chosen location. They've chosen duration and deadlines, outcomes, right? Really, really specific planning that these people are doing as they look ahead to the future. Now, James is not criticizing people for making plans. So if you are a planner, you are not in sin. If you are not a planner, you are not like holier than all those planners, right? He's not criticizing people making plans. And James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, actually, there's zero criticism of the desire of the plan. There's no criticism that we'll see about this person's desire to make some money. There is nothing wrong with making money or wanting to make money. What's wrong is sometimes our heart and our perspective and our priorities when it comes to money. But the desire for this guy to be able to put food on his table isn't a bad thing. He's not criticizing planning. He's not criticizing the ultimate goal of making money. What we see here is this. God's not against planning, but what he's 
going to be critical and warn against in this scenario is the presumption. He's not against planning, but he's against the person's presumption here that, man, you know what? I, I, I know what the future holds for me. <clears throat> I know what's going to happen. I know what I can bring about. I'm going to control it. I'm going to plan it. And, and I've got everything under my hands to control what happens in the future. That that's what God is saying to the person who's making these specific plans and goals and desires. He's like, whoa, it's okay to plan it. It's okay to want some money, but just, just be careful because in your presumption that you know exactly the way that your life is going to go, God speaks this wisdom in the next verse, verse 14. He says, hey, look, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You're making all these plans. <clears throat> you have all these goals. You have all this specificity. What, what's implied in that is you think you can control it. You think you know it. You think you can foresee it. You think you can account for it. And bro, you don't even know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours is what God's saying. Here's the first thing that James and through God's inspiration wants us to keep in mind when planning that we have no idea what life will bring. You and I have no idea what life will bring. I know some of you are thinking, man, you wasted a lot of money in a seminary education if that's the most profound thought you got, because you don't need a pastor in the front of the room to tell you that, but maybe you need a pastor in the front of the room to remind us all of that. You don't know the challenges that you may be facing in April. You don't know the blessings that you may be experiencing in April. I mean, if, if nothing else, the past couple of years have shown us this, right? I mean, when you made your plans this time in, what was it, 2020 or whatever, did you ever, ever, ever think that a pandemic would come, that there would be photos of New York City with not a single taxi cab on the road? Did you foresee that there would be this period of time where it would just be a massive timeout on our economy and our commerce? Did you foresee this past fall when you were thinking about making your favorite cheesecake recipe for Christmas that when you went to ShopRite, you would not be able to find any Philadelphia cheesecake because it was stuck in a container in Los Angeles or on a boat from China, right? Did you foresee it? No, right? Did we foresee that worship people were going to get COVID? We know from our past experience there is so much in life that we can't foresee. And that's what God is reminding us as we're making our plans and we're looking ahead. Look, look, man, you just be careful, plan, be wise, but remember, you have no idea what life will bring. Life is far from simple. Life is far from just a straight <clears throat> line that we walk. What I will experience and what you will experience in 2022 is going to result from this, this matrix, this combination of events, of people, of contingencies, of circumstances, most of which you're going to have no control over. What you experience and what I experience and what we experience as a church in 2022 will result from this combination, this blending, this matrix of other people, of events, of circumstances, of contingencies, most of which you will not be able to control. But in the midst of what you face that you can't control, there are going to be some things that you can control. 
We can control when we face uncontrollable or unforeseen things. We can control our choices in the midst of that. We can control our attitude <clears throat> in the midst of that. We can control our responses in the midst of that. So much of what we're going to face together as a body in 2022, we can't control. But even in those uncontrollable things, you still do have control over your choices, over your attitude towards that, and how you respond to all of those things, most of which will be out of your control. And I think there's this correlation in our lives between anxiety and this desire for control. Man, I'm a guy, we've talked about it, I, oh, I like to control it. I want to control it. I want to make it happen. I often have the illusion that I quickly am disillusioned by, that I can control things. And I think for people in the room who maybe are like me, that, man, we know the way things want to go, and we are ignorant by actually thinking we can make those things happen. And sometimes when we're high control people, when we start to experience things that are out of our control, our anxiety goes up. Because, no, 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 I, I thought I could control this. And this is now out of my control. And I'm becoming anxious about it. And the more anxious we become, the more we kind of control it. And the more we try to control it, the more we realize how much of life we absolutely can't control. Which, if we don't have a right perspective, only increases the anxiety. Because now we're worried because we can't control things that we never had the ability to control to begin with. So what James is saying, what God is saying is, hey, plan wisely. <clears throat> don't be right? Don't be ignorant, but don't set yourself up for discouragement by thinking if you plan it, you can control it, because we have no idea what life will bring. And then there's a second piece of this, right? This second thing that God wants you and me and us to keep in mind when we're planning, and it's in the second part of verse 14, where he says this, hey, here's the second thing for you just to keep in mind, right? What is life? For you are a mist <clears throat> that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This in my hand is an amazing pine wonderland, limited edition, glade air freshener with notes of pine, juniper, and mistletoe. My daughter, I think, bought this at the Target bin for a little Christmas cheer, right? So that when we, over December, needed just a little Christmas infused, she would spray it around the rooms. And here's what James is saying. James is saying, hey, your life, it's a mist. What James is saying is, this is your life. You ready for your life? I can smell it still, but I can't see it. Right, ready? Count how long you can see. You don't have to do this out loud. But count how long you can see this mist. Ready? Right? We, we see it, and then it's gone. And what James is saying is, hey, your life, our lives, people's lives, it's quick. It's a mist. And when it's there, right, it's there. But then all of a sudden, it's like, where did it go? Here's the second thing to keep in mind when we're planning. You have no idea when life will end. Some of you are like, man, I should have stayed home today. <clears throat> I should have like, watched some more Marvel movies instead of coming to this sermon. James is saying it's a mist. He's saying you have no idea 
when life will end. And it seems the older I get, and I, I'm still old enough to whoop everybody in this room, but I'm not as young as I once was in the words of Toby Keith, the great country crooner, right? It, and it seems that the older I get, the faster it goes. I remember when I was a little kid, <clears throat> and I'd look forward to Christmas. I love Christmas. It, seems, it seemed when I was little, when I was six, seven, eight, it would take centuries for Christmas to come every year. When I was 16, 17 in college, I mean, Christmas would still be quick, but it would seem like, yeah, but it's still, it takes so long for Christmas to come now. I took my Christmas tree out to the street, like, you know, a few days ago, and it seems like just like yesterday that I was putting it up for last Christmas. It just seems like the second you're done with Christmas, it's back and time is going faster. And I'm sure there's some scientific physics, the longer you've lived, the lo- I don't know, but it just seems like the older you get, the quicker it goes. You've experienced that? Little, if, if, if you can't relate to what I'm saying about, you haven't experienced it. But there's lots of you who are like, bro, I know exactly what you mean. It seemed like that, that something happened and that something was 10 years ago. And, and in sermons, a lot of times, I probably already used it today, I, I use the word moments. I use the words moments a lot in sermons, and that's because in life, there are moments. There are moments of opportunity that are there, and then those moments of opportunity are gone. Now, will they come back again? Maybe a similar moment will come back, but that specific moment will not come back. You will never live 1127 on this day again. <clears throat> this is a moment that's here, and then when the moment's gone, it's gone. Moments are things that are present and available. There are moments with kids. There are moments with grandkids. Kids, there are moments with your parents. There are moments with your grandparents. And then when those moments are gone, those moments are gone. There's moments to make an impact. There's moments to have that conversation with that person. There's moments to tell that person about Jesus, and then it's like the window goes down and the moment's gone. And you and I have either leveraged those moments or we've wasted those moments. And sometimes I think we, we know there's things we should do. <clears throat> we know we should do that good thing, right? Maybe you hear a sermon and you're like, yeah, okay, now I got to fix that. I got to do that. God would have me do that or I got to do that. But, but what we often do is we know there's good things we should do. There's no, there's important things to do, but we push it off because we think, well, man, let me just get through Omicron. Omicron. I'm just going to say it so you know I know how to say it. Right. Let me just get through this COVID surge and then I'll do it. Oh man, well, let me just get through the kids' spring break. The fall, the fall will be a great time to do it. The fall comes, you're like, oh, there's that thing that I know God would have me do. There's that thing I need to do. There's that good thing to do, the thing to change, right? And I've been thinking about it now for eight months, but you know what? 2023, that's the year we'll do it. There are moments in life, and we either leverage them or we lose them. And many times we don't leverage a moment because we buy into the myth that there will be plenty of time left for us to do those things. Maybe there will. But I'm just shooting you straight. Maybe there won't. None of us know what life holds. 
<clears throat> um, uh, I have an iPhone, and anytime my children call, I try to take the call. Can't always do it. So, like literally, sometimes I actually am with a family planning a funeral, or I'm doing, and I can't do it. But every time my kids call, I try to take the call. Try to take the call for two reasons. One, like if they have a flat tire, I want to make sure I can help them to know what to do. But you know why else I want to take the call? Because I want them to know their dad's here. I want them to know that whenever they want to, they can pick up their phone and they can talk to their dad. Because I have that opportunity to do that now. And one day I may not. And I don't want to waste a moment. I once heard it said, are you so busy planning to live that you're forgetting to live? Are you so busy planning to live, so busy planning out what's going to be in 10 years that you miss the moments that you have now? If our life is a mist, which God says it is, then let's use the time that we have, let's use the moments that we have to pursue what matters and to love God the way he wants us to love him and to love others the way that God wants us to love others. You know, parents take it from a 49-year-old guy who's still in the process of raising kids along with you if you're a parent and you're a young parent of younger kids, you've probably heard, like, be sure to find lots of quality time with your kids. I, I don't think that's good advice. What I would say to you is be sure to find lots of quantity time with your kids. Be sure to find lots of quantity time with your kids. Because the more quantity time you have with your kids, the more quality time that is likely to flow from that. Let's not waste the moments. Let's pursue what God would have us be about. What would God have us be about? The good news is he tells us. He tells us what we will hear again next week when you come back or check us out online. As you will hear that James, Jesus' brother, really is looking back to a sermon that Jesus gave. And in many ways, most of what James is, it's a cut and paste. It's a recitation of a lot of Jesus' themes that Jesus made when he gave a sermon on a hillside one day. And in that, one of the things Jesus says... After giving instructions about money and anxiety, Jesus says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. You want to know what you're to be about? Seek first the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean you can't seek other things, but it means the first thing, the prioritized thing, the most important thing are things that have to do with the kingdom of God. What does that mean for you and for me to do on a daily basis? What does that mean for you and for me to seek first God's kingdom, to pour into God's kingdom? When we talk about God's kingdom, here's what we're saying, that there is going to be a day when Jesus actually, King Jesus actually is ruling back on the earth, right? Where Jesus' kingdom, he's going to be on the earth, and all of this dirt and flesh and blood and trees and birdies and animals and people and nations and countries are all going to be under the rule of Jesus, and it will be the way that he wants it to be. No more Green Party, no more Libertarian Party, no more Communist Party, no more whatever other party or rule. Jesus. Right? When you go to the ballot box, there's going to be one lever to push. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus will be the king. 
Things on earth will be the way that they are now in heaven. It will all be good. And when we talk about seeking the kingdom, what we mean is that God is in the process of bringing heaven to earth. God is in the process of making things on earth the way that align with his values, the way that they are in heaven. It is not there yet, but it was in a process. And you and I have the opportunity to be involved in that process and to make the relationships around us and the way that we act and the things around us reflect more of the values of heaven and the heart of Jesus here on this earth. So how do we do that? What does it mean for you in dependence on the Holy Spirit to serve God so that the people around you and the problems around you and the relationships around you and the hurt around you, you're engaged in it in a way that aligns with the values of the heart of Jesus and of the kingdom of God. Today, you have this moment to forgive someone. Today, You have this moment to tell someone that you're sorry. Today, you have this moment, parents, to tell your kids you're proud of them. Today, you have this moment, kids, to tell your parents that you love them. You have this moment. Let's not waste it as we look ahead to 2022 and as we're planning and as we're thinking We have no idea what life will bring, and we have no idea when life will end, but James doesn't want that to lead to discouragement. It could, right? But hold on. Don't get discouraged on me yet, right? We're going to pull this up. It's going to be like, goose, goose, eject, eject. Okay, here here comes the good news in this, right? The good news is in the very next line, he gives us some hope. He gives us some confidence as we look ahead in the midst of all these unknowns, and this is what he says our perspective should be in verse 15. Right. Instead of thinking you control it, instead of thinking you know what's going to happen and can control what happens and know what's going to end, what he says is instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This phrase to say, I miss my monitor. It'll be back next week. Pretend I'm touching the to say right here, right? That phrase to say, <clears throat> the syntax of it, the grammar of it, it's this idea that this is an action that we're to perpetually, repeatedly, continually do, right? This concept of, okay, if the Lord wills, then that plan, and I'll make these plans thinking about, okay, this is if the Lord wills. Now, this, this line, if the Lord wills, it's not so much something that he wants us to like actually necessarily say, it's a perspective and a viewpoint he wants us to have. This does not mean that it's a cheesy Christian cliche that we all need to now start peppering our conversation with. Well, if the Lord wills, I'll go to Chipotle after this, and I'll get some black beans and some brown rice and some veggie mix if the Lord wills. And maybe right? It's not this like cheeseball evangelistic word we throw into things. What it is is a perspective that God is in control, that everything we face, everything we plan, everything we know, everything we don't know, all of it is under the sovereign and all of it is subject to the sovereign control and will and plan of God. So we plan, we dream, we hope, right? We be strategic, 
But we do all of that knowing that ultimately it's not under our control, it's under God's control. And ultimately it's not our plan that comes to pass, it's his plan for us that comes to pass. The third thing to keep in mind when planning is this, that God knows what life will bring and when it will end, and he is in charge of it all. God knows what life will bring, and God knows when it will end. And he is the one who is in charge of it all. We can have comfort, what James is saying, knowing that a good, sovereign, omniscient, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, right, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who cares for you and knows what's best for you is the one who is weaving the circumstances of your life together who is the one working and present through everything that you face to bring about his will and his plans and his purposes for you. And in all the things that you don't know and all the things that you can't control, you can trust the one who does and you can trust the one who is in charge as he's working his perfect plan for you who he adores and who he cares about. He's not running some like experiment on you to see if he does bad things to you, how, right? He's working for our good through his sovereignty and his plan and his knowledge and his care. When we look ahead to the year, we realize, man, we have no idea what life will bring. We have no idea when life will end, but we do know that God knows what life will bring and when it will end, and he is in charge of it all. I'll ask you guys, Luke and Tim, you guys can come back up here as we wind down. It's interesting what, what's kind of <clears throat> being pulled through what James says here today. Kind of two broad themes, two ideas from other places of Scripture, right? This idea that you don't know, but God knows this idea to trust God, it, it reminds us back of a verse out of Proverbs that some of you may know, some of you may not know, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. And then what we've seen is this other idea that James is pulling out, bringing it back from Jesus. Jesus' challenge in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. Every day we have the opportunity to do those two things. Every day you and I have the opportunity to trust God and seek first his kingdom. I'm going to invite you this week to do something that I've done this past week. What I've kind of done the past seven or ten days is every morning when I've woken up, right, whether in the fog of COVID or whether clear thinking, I've gotten my amazing cheap fountain pen and my even cheaper journal, and I've sat in a chair. There used to be a Christmas tree by that chair. There's not anymore. I've sat in the chair, and every morning when I've woken up, I've written out two different things that I'm going to ask you to write out and think through this week. The first one is this. How can I trust Jesus today? Right? And every day, <clears throat> there's been different things I've gone to bed worried about or different things that I've woken up worried about. 
And every morning I think to myself, okay, I don't know what's in charge. Or what's in, I'm not in control. I don't know what's coming. Jesus, how can I trust him today? And then the second thing that I write down, right, for the past 10 days or so is, okay, what can I do practically today to seek the kingdom of God? What can I do today with the situation I'm in, with the people around me? How can I further the kingdom of God? What I'd invite you to do this week is to spend 10 minutes every morning doing that same thing. Not to be legalistic, but because you know what? If you don't do anything with this, this wisdom from God, you're going to forget it the second he plays this last chord. Right, This wisdom from God that will help ground us this year, we're going to forget as we think about, is it going to ice? Do I need to go to the store? Blah, blah, blah. We sometimes need tangible practices to help remind us and ground us in the truth of God's word. So I would invite you and encourage you and challenge you for seven days, spend 10 minutes writing down, what do I need to trust Jesus in today? And what can I tangibly do to seek and to further the kingdom of God today? based on the circumstances of my life where God has me. I'll be doing that. I'll invite you to do that with me. And I think it will be helpful to all of us as we'll continue to ground our dependence and our hope and our trust in the King who loves us and in the one who is our living hope. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the reminders that we're not in charge, but you are. And I pray that won't bring discouragement to us, but I pray that that actually will bring great encouragement that in our limited thinking and limited viewpoint, there's, so, there's just countless things we don't know, but you know it all and you are working in it all and you just invite us to trust you. And so, Father, will your Holy Spirit increase the trust of some of us? Will your Holy Spirit give us guidance about where we can seek your kingdom? And will we be grateful for the opportunity to grow in faith in you and grow in service to you this coming week? Amen.